My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. I'm coming to you from the Hickson campus of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we'd love to have you come and visit us. But if you're not in the area, please go to OurSundaySchool.com to see all of the resources we saw in class. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Our Sunday School. We are in Second Peter today. Uh, and as I begin, I want to say thank you to uh, Dave Barber and Josh Landers for uh, handling Sunday School last week. How many of you are here for the Sunday School last week? Yes? Good, good, good. How many of you have ever had somebody read more than that much Bible to you out loud in your life? Anybody ever had more Bible read to them out loud in their life than last week? couple? Yeah? All right. So I'm glad for those of you that raised your hands and then didn't raise your hand to the second because it was a lot of text. In our class? Oh, awesome. That was a good idea then. Cool. So this is one of the things that happens to me. Uh, or that has happened to me, uh, and Julie will laugh at this, because I have an astonishingly bad memory. Uh, it's, it's actually the reason I started putting all my lessons on a website, is it so that I could remember what I actually taught uh, and use them as reference materials. And the, the first time that I ever Googled uh, help on something and then got my own website as a search result, that was, <laughs> it's like, that is, thank you, that was awesome. And it was even formatted like I like it. So that was great, you know, it's good stuff. But uh, no, thank you to Dave and uh, Josh. And then thank you to all of you that have prayed for our family uh, the last couple of weeks. We greatly appreciate that. Uh, we were down in Mobile for uh, the funeral and burial of my wife's dad. Uh, and it was a beautiful thing. Uh, it was a beautiful thing. It is, there is a, uh, a confident assurance when you sit and listen to uh, the testimony of others about the life of a man that there is just no doubt. There is, you can put the pages of scripture next to his life and see the evidence that this is actually uh, the life that he lived. And it was a good thing. So, uh, so thank you for that. So this morning, uh, as you may have remembered from last week, last week was a lot of read. So we read, we read the text of Second uh, Peter, Went back and Josh read a lot of texts around uh, in Genesis about uh, Lot, uh, uh, Abraham's relative there in the Old Testament. And we came back and read Second Peter again. And then we asked the question, what evidence do we have in the Old Testament text uh, that Josh read that uh, Lot is righteous? Because it comes up in today's text, verses 4 through 11. And it comes up several times. So I'm going to read through Second uh, Peter uh, 1, 1 through 4, 11. Uh, and then we're going to jump into the explain part. And when we get to the application, I'm going to ask that question again. Uh, and to make up for last week's no staple and one side of one piece of paper. Because uh, I have to keep my average up here. All right? The average has to stay at a certain number. Uh, the handout today has six pages. I'm so excited. So there's a lot of words. So let's take a look at uh, 2 Peter. We are in uh, chapter 1, and I'll read down through uh, chapter 2, verse 11. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness 
through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also, for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. Yes, I think it is right, as long as I'm in this tent, to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice, which came from heaven, and when we were with him on the holy mountain. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. But there will be false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways, because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. By covetousness they will exploit you with deceptive words. And for a long time their judgment has not been idle, and their destruction does not slumber. For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemning them to destruction, making them an example to those who afterward would live ungodly, and delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed, by the filthy conduct of the wicked. For that righteous man, dwelling among them, tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment, and especially those who walk according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise authority. They are presumptuous, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries, whereas angels, who are greater in power and might, do not bring a reviling accusation against them before the Lord. I wish Peter would be clear about what he thought. Don't you love the clarity of the Bible? There, there's just not a lot of, well, I wonder, 
you know, what they feel like here. It's, it's not in the text. All right, we've got a lot of text to cover, so I'm going to move at a pretty quick pace. Uh, if you're interested in seeing the stuff that I don't talk about today, you can go to OurSundaySchool.com, go to the Read tab, and see the teacher notes uh, listed there. Uh, so let's look at uh, literary and structural observations. Uh, pretty straightforward this morning. We're going deeper into the them part of the text uh, and fleshing out this doom that awaits false teachers. Uh, we'll talk about some of the confidence that Peter has in this space. So the most repeated words in Second Peter, we've done this uh, several times now. So we've got there and them and themselves and they 42 times, you and your 28 uh, he, his, and him, 22. Our, us, and we, 21. Uh, and then the next word there, your first blank, is will, W-I-L-L. There's a certain degree of confidence. There's a certain degree of, uh, we looked at this a couple of weeks ago, this future indicative, this I know that it is true. Uh, this is going to happen. This will occur. Uh, and then your next blank there is no, K-N-O-W, no or knowing or known or knows, this, this idea that there is a confidence, there is an assurance, there is something that can be uh, concretely known. Um, now, if you look at this text, the, the predominant word that's repeated over and over and over is there, them, is your blank, and they, nine times. Uh, you, you probably heard it in the tone and the, the specific words that Peter is using here, uh, talking about uh, these people, that them, and their... Uh, their issues and their problems and their judgment that is coming. All right, so let's take a look at the words. What do the words mean? should be the next page on your handout. So verse 4, So if God did not spare... Uh, so this is to abstain or to treat leniently. This is your first blank, leniently. L-E-N-I-E-N, leniently. L-E-N-I-E-N. Uh, T-L-Y. So if God did not treat uh, the angels leniently. So when, when were the angels created? Got my water bottle. Before or after us? Before, right? Okay. Um, so they've been around longer or shorter than we have? Longer, all right. And did, did God give them leniency? No. This is, right? Thank you, Skip. I did. There's, we are confident that the text says God did not spare the angels who sinned. Uh, and this word for sinned uh, just literally just means to, to trespass, to offend, uh, to morally miss the mark. Uh, there was some type of error. Uh, and their error specifically uh, was following after uh, Satan. Uh, Lucifer, who uh, desired to be higher than uh, God himself. And I, I love the, the example that Peter uses here to start this section because the sin of these angels was following after someone who wanted to be uh, in God's place. This is a dangerous position to be in. So what does God do to them? But he cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains. And this is not um, 
I, I like the definition of the word chains here. It says chain as binding or drawing a chain. Guess what that means, Justin? Chains, yeah. This is not uh, figurative chains. These are not uh, representative of something. These are literal chains that these angels are bound up in. So are, are, are they bound up right now? What does the text say? For God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell. This is and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved. And the blank here is perfect. So if you want a quick reminder of Greek tenses, the perfect tense is completed action in the past with the results uh, continued. So they are reserved for judgment. So I... The, the Catholic Church believes in a place called Purgatory, uh, which is an intermediary place. This is a, a fictional place. Um, lest through my description, did you think that I thought it was real? I want to make sure you understand it's a fictional place. Uh, that, uh, that people are put into as a holding pen until you have either worked off your bad deeds and you now can enter into heaven or you stay in Purgatory forever. Uh, and... Uh, this is actually uh, uh, a holding place, uh, and they are reserved in chains of darkness or gloom or mist, uh, reserved for judgment. Now, what do you think the judgment is going to be? Innocent or guilty? Tim, innocent or guilty? Guilty, yes. Right. You know why? Because it says he did not spare. There was no leniency. Right? There's, there's no point at which you stand before this judge and the judge goes, well, you, you did a lot of good, right? I'm going to take that into account. And, and I don't know if you've ever been in an actual courtroom where a judge is pronouncing a sentence on someone. Uh, but many times you will hear the judge say something akin to, now I'm going to take into account all of this work that you have done. And, and that's going to offset a little bit in the penalty that I give. And, and please understand that is not representative of our God in any way, shape, or form. There's none of that. There's no leniency in his judgment. He showed no leniency in his judgment on sin, on Jesus Christ, on the cross. There was no leniency. He poured it all out. Which means there is none left for those that are believers in Jesus Christ, which is great. So we get to experience the righteousness of Christ and a declaration of judgment of innocence from God because Jesus took the punishment for our sin. Now, yes, sir. Thank you. I was thirsty. Uh, probably not, but I'll, I'll read the text again. Uh, so if he did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. So, so there is a very real sense in which they are experiencing the effects of a judgment 
And yet, there is a great judgment day coming. So there is a right now, and we're actually going to see this in the text uh, for the, uh, the false teachers in Second Peter as well. But there is also an additional final declaration of uh, justice, quite frankly, that God will demonstrate in front of all his justice and his judgment. Because I can't actually see this judgment here, right? I'm, I'm taking it on faith that the text of Scripture is true, which it is. But there will be a day where God makes his justice and his judgments and his decrees and his declarations very clear. You are about to burst, brother. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was kind of thinking of it like, like if you get arrested. We, we dwell in past and God dwells outside. Yeah, I think the answer is yes. yes. Right? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Which is kind of neat, right? I mean, I say neat. <laughs> I, I don't mean to take it flippantly. Right, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't want to take the judgment of God flippantly, uh, but it, there is a real sense in which, like, you know, it's perfect tense. It's happened in the past. It's continuing to the present. So, so he's not done, right? This is the first example, verse 4. And verse 5 is the next example. And he did not spare. And guess what? This is the same word. It's the same blank. There was no lenient. Uh, to treat leniently, L-E-N-I-E-N-T-L-Y. It's spelled the same in the second blank, Justin. He did not spare the ancient, the archaic world, the ancient cosmos, but saved Noah. All right, so we know why he saved Noah, right? Because Noah was a good guy. Everybody know that? Yeah, he found grace. He was counted righteous, that's right. It was not that God looked at his works and said, you know what, I'm going to start over with you because you are so righteous. No, no. No, no, don't get the order out of whack here. But he saved Noah, one of eight people, or the eighth, uh, a preacher. And, and if you go back and read the biblical text about uh, Noah, you, you are going to struggle to find any portions that talk about him being a preacher. I can give you a definition of the word preacher here. It's a herald, H-E-R-A-L-D, uh, of divine truth. Now, this could have manifested itself in many, many ways, and I I could probably speculate about Noah for a very long time. I don't want to do that. I want to stick to the text. Uh, The text says he is a preacher of what? Of righteousness, right? So, he didn't spare the ancient world, but uh, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness. This is parenthetical, so continue the thought. Did not spare the ancient world, bringing in the flood. I love the Greek word there, cataclysmos. It was a cataclysm on the world of the ungodly. And turning, verse 6 is our third example, and turning or uh, into ashes. This means to incinerate or to consume. Uh, turning into ashes the cities uh, of Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, you, you guys remember the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, right? How many cities today do you know that are named Sodom or Gomorrah? Anybody? 
No. You know why? Probably best not to try that again. <laughs> I think we, we've, like, that's just once was enough there, right? Uh, just leave it alone. Into ashes and condemned. This is catacrino. This is the, one of the words that we looked at in Romans over and over and over when we were just hanging out in those first uh, several chapters uh, before we got to the but now. Uh, this catacrino, this judging against, this sentencing, this damning uh, them to destruction. The Greek word there is catastrophe. There's this overturning or demolition. Uh, making them an example. The word making there is also in the perfect tense. That's your next blank. Uh, so he's setting aside them as an example. So what are our examples so far? Our examples so far in verse 4 are the angels. In verse 5 is the ancient world with the flood. And then in verse 6 is Sodom and Gomorrah. And he, he kind of expounds on Sodom and Gomorrah. And verse 7 is this uh, other nested parenthetical that uh, Peter puts into the text. So he says, uh, in making them an example to those who afterward would live ungodly. And this, this would is the present active participle. So what goes in the blank there? I heard it repeatedly. Yes, it's repeatedly. Who would repeatedly live ungodly. Which makes a little more sense, right? This idea that if there's a pattern, a, a lifestyle, a habit of ungodliness, well, that's, this is consistent with what we know about Sodom and Gomorrah. And then in verse 7, and he delivered righteous Lot. So the word for righteous means equitable in character or act or by implication, innocent is your blank. Innocent or holy or just or meet or righteous. This word's used uh, in 2 Peter 1.13, in 2.7, and then twice in verse 8. So he delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed. And this is a present participle. This is repeatedly oppressed, and this means to labor down. This is to wear down. And if, if you have ever been around ungodly people on a very regular basis, it will wear down the righteous. Um, I had a, I've mentioned this a few months ago, I had a job as a mover, uh, and it was the most ungodly environment that I was ever in in my entire life. Every single day, there was nothing but pagans that I worked with all day long. And these were, you show up at work at seven, you get off at eight, nine o'clock at night, you do it again six or seven days a week. It's just over. And it was just this relentless drumbeat of paganism, and it wore me down and I can relate to this word to a small degree, but it, it wasn't like there was uh, no church that I could go to. Because you remember the prayer that Abraham prayed over the city of Sodom and Gomorrah, right? If I could just find, if you could find, was it started off with 50 or 40, and then 30, and then 20, and then 10. If you could find 10 righteous people in this city, don't destroy it. And what happened? They got destroyed. So there weren't 10 there were less than 10 righteous people in the city. Wore him down. Over and over and over and over and over. He was oppressed by the filthy or the, and I, you probably don't see this word very often, the licentiousness or lasciviousness or wantonness. Right? Justin, you're welcome. I didn't give you blanks on any of those. Those are 
challenging words to spell. They all mean horribly, horribly bad. By the filthy conduct or the behavior of the wicked. And then verse 8, for that righteous man, just in case you thought he might have used the wrong word once there, he didn't. He says it again. For that righteous man, we're still talking about Lot, uh, dwelling or repeatedly dwelling among them, tormented. Now, your first blank here after tormented is imperfect. And, and imperfect means action continually or repeatedly happening in past time. So this is something that repeatedly happened in the past, but is no longer uh, happening right now. And he, he, he tormented, he repeatedly tormented. And the, the next blank here is to torture. He was in pain, he was in toil, he was torment. he was vexed. Some of the old translations say he vexed his righteous soul. How often did he vex his righteous soul? From day to day. Because every day he vexed his righteous soul. By what? By seeing, so this is his vision, and by hearing their lawless deeds. So there's this repeated torture, there's this repeated oppression, there's this uh, repeated righteousness here that we see demonstrated. And then verse 9, then the Lord, now I want you to look at the Greek word for Lord, kurios, because we're going to see that again in verse uh, 11, a, a slightly different uh, version of that. So then the Lord knows. So if, if, if he judged Sodom and Gomorrah and preserved Lot, as we read in the text last week, then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations. Now, I, I want to make sure that you don't read the text as if you read it this way. So God, for the very first time in his existence, uh, preserved righteous, and now, now he has this figured out, and now he knows how to do this. No. The blank here is perfect tense. And the, the, the perfect tense is completed action with the results continued. Right? So this is, God knows. He, he did not learn it then. He, he, he knew this before, how to deliver or how to uh, rescue. We're going to sing a song this morning, I believe. Uh, it's still one of my favorite songs, Rescuer. Uh, how to rescue the godly out of temptations. And when you, when you listen to the text of the Genesis story describing Lot last week, did you hear the rescue? Did you hear the fleeing? Did you hear the get out of the city? Right? Did God pick Lot up and magically transport him to another location? No. What did God use to rescue Lot? There were angels that were sent to protect him and his house as the people were trying to bear in. And then how did Lot get away? He, he used his legs, right? He, he did, absolutely. But he used his legs to obey God's command to get out of the city. And Peter says that God rescued him. He delivered him. And many times, if we will simply be obedient to the text or to the words of God, that will be the deliverance that God uses. So he delivered the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under punishment. And this is, I think, might answer your question from earlier. Because this word for under punishment is present passive participle. So this is repeated punishment. So this is continual punishment right now for the day of judgment. So there's continual punishment that's going on right now for this future day of judgment that is to come. And then verse 10, and especially, or chiefly, most of all, 
those who walk according to the flesh or uh, behind or with the flesh in the lust of uncleanness. And here's a, here's a really sad word, cataphraneo, uh, and, and despise. This is uh, around the mind. Uh, this is repeatedly despised. That's your next blank. Repeatedly despised. It's present active participle. And this is to think against. They think against or despise or disesteem authority. Look at the Greek word there, kyriotes. You remember how, remember what the word for Lord is? Kyrios? Right. This is, this is a, a very, very similar word. Uh, in many translations, this uh, is translated the word government. Um, and this is anything that's in authority. And, and we as believers are under authority. We are under the authority of uh, the elders of our church. We are under the authority of Jesus Christ as the head of the church. We are under the authority of God the Father as the sovereign king of the universe. Uh, we, are under, we are under authority of the government. I, those are not in order, by the way. Um, government should be like earlier in the list. Uh, but we are people living under authority. So he goes on to talk about these. Uh, he says they are presumptuous or daringly audacious. Um, and, and this is not a term that is used to describe believers. So if you ever feel yourself being audacious, back that down. Uh, they are presumptuous. They are self-willed. I mean, self-pleasing or arrogant. And quite honestly, when, whenever we say, I'm going to take what God has said and I will set that aside, the primary aim of our lives at that point then is just pleasing me and doing whatever I want. Right, Because as long as I say that the text of Scripture, God's Word, is ruling in my life, then that is a denial of what I want and a desire to do what God wants. But as soon as this gets set aside, then I then am chief. I then am, am the primary uh, one to please in the universe. So they are presumptuous. They are self-pleasing. They are not afraid. They don't tremble. This is a root word where we get our English word tremble. They don't tremble to speak evil, to blaspheme dignitaries. Uh, doxa, this is the glory. Uh, whereas angels, and we covered this concept in Jude. I'm not going to go tread this ground again. Whereas angels who are greater in power, and remember this was his first example, who are greater in power and might, uh, and the word power here is not the word dunamis. The word might is dunamis. The word power is uh, forcefulness or strength. Uh, and then might is this miraculous working power. Uh, do not bring a reviling accusation against them before the Lord. So a couple of obvious points here, and then we'll get into our question. Uh, application number one, God delivers the righteous. This, this, is, this is going to happen. He, he may deliver some of us here. That's great. And, and he, he may not. But he, he will deliver the righteous. Um, so what do we do with that? Number one, trust him to deliver faithfulness. Because when he delivers the righteous, he is demonstrating his faithfulness to his word, which is great. Because the second God ever goes back on his word, we're done. Like, it all comes apart. Like, literally, the universe comes apart. Because Jesus is holding it together. So as soon as God decides to go back on his word, and I'm thankful that he can't, he's bound by his word. So application number two, God judges the ungodly. 
Would you agree from today's text that God judges the ungodly? It's not a lot of doubt? Okay, good. So trust him to deliver justice. Um, and I, again, I'll, I'll go back to, I've been in a couple of different courtrooms where I've seen, uh, watch me, watch me, justice administered. Uh, and it, it, I am thankful I live in America. I am thankful that there exists a justice system that oppresses evil to a certain degree, but it is not flawless, guys. It is, it is not flawless by a long, long way. But there is coming a day when flawless justice will be delivered. And it will so magnify the judge that we will be uh, not speechless, actually. Uh, sometimes we, we say this phrase that, well, I was just speechless. I didn't know. It. We will shout out in praise forever as a result of him demonstrating his justice. And it will be beautiful. And he will make it right and it will be good. So then back application. What evidence do we have in the Old Testament text that Josh read last week that Lot is righteous? So who did their homework? Who thought about this and came with an answer that is based in, here is what the text said. Raise your hand. I got two. Come on, raise your hand, Thesa. You did. Three. Anybody else? All right. So, I would love to hear what the text says. What does the text say? He delivered him, that's right. Good. Darla, what does the text say? Does Genesis say he was righteous? But Peter does, right? Yep. What's the evidence in Genesis? He was oppressed in Genesis. Yes, very good. Thesa, you're, you're just dying. Come on. Yes. Yes. He did start with 50, right? Okay, all right, all right. Yes, that's right. Yes, that's right. This is why I had Josh read the genealogies. Because I wanted you to see that they were related. It was not just some dude he picked up along the way. Because if you're going to pick up a dude along the way, you're not picking up a lot. <laughs> All right. I mean, you just, you, he, he's going to get left. <laughs> but he didn't, right? He, he was family. And this says a lot about Abraham that, you know. That's right. You saw when what? Do you mean we can. The Holy Spirit can use someone reading the Bible to show us things that we have not heard. That is amazing. Wow. That's my Gary Jarrett impression. Wow. Yes. Yes.
That's right. That's right. Which implies what? That he knew what righteousness was. Right. Which uh, like makes me gag, wondering like what would that? Uh, don't want any part of that. And he did, right? Right. Yes. So is it there? Yeah. It's not on the surface, right? It does not say and righteous lot in the Old Testament, but it's there. That was a salty answer there, Dev. Some of you are going to be like, what? Wisdom is justified by our children, right? right. Yeah. He does. So what action do we see from Lot in the Old Testament of him offering sacrifices, of him declaring uh, Yahweh to be God, of him... Uh, encouraging another believer, of him uh, walking in a way that was upright and moral, that was commended by the Scripture. We, we don't, right? So a, a couple of points here. Um, and yes, I know what time it is, uh, but a couple of points. The, the first is, the Bible is not a comprehensive list of all the actions that were ever taken by the people in it. Right? We see these very small snippets. And and I am, I am, the more I study the Bible, the more grateful I am that I did not live during the time of the Bible, lest my worst day had been the one day that I interacted with somebody who was an author, <laughs> right? And, oh, you remember uh, uh, Henry, the pagan, who on this day did this or said this, and like, oh, wow, like, I'm grateful that it was not one day, right? Uh, and so, so let us, let us, um, let us be very gentle uh, with the characters in the Bible. Um, I, I hope and I pray that like Lot, there will be others that we see in glory one day that, yes, that's all right. Yeah, we, we love, I'll give you Thomas, uh, the, uh, the apostle as an example, right? We, we love to rail on Thomas. Thomas the doubter, Thomas the doubter. Well, Thomas asked some really great questions that resulted in Jesus giving us some theology that connected a lot of points for people who like to ask questions. Okay, <laughs> this is helpful for us, right? All right, <clears throat> so application number three. You ready? Here we go. Imputed, I-M-P-U-T-E-D, Imputed righteousness is not based on behavior. And imputed is what we get because of Jesus Christ's work on the cross. This is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. This is not the, oh, I did something that looked and kind of smelled good before I met Jesus. No, 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 no. This is, I get the righteousness of Jesus Christ. This is a good 
good thing. And that is not the haste on behavior. So when we look back at the story of Lot and we, we pick out these, well, well, like God spared him and he, he knew what righteousness was, but we never see a clear declaration of Lot's personal faith. That's okay. That's all right. There's other parts of the story that we're not told, but it's certainly not based on his behavior. Uh, so personalized number three, what do we do with that? I would encourage us to be careful how we judge. Is we are not the final judge. Right? There is coming a day where the final judge will judge finally. Um, does this make sense? We good on that one? All right. Now, if you did not read the stories of Lot, I would encourage you to go back and read those texts and then look at it through the lens of, this guy's actually a believer. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. So next week uh, is the depravity of false teachers. So we're going to go further into this. We talked about the doom today, this coming judgment that's assured, and then the depravity of them next week in verses 12 through 17. So uh, make sure... Uh, oh, man. All right. So I went to the Lauren Daigle concert last night. And there was, there was a... Uh, uh, the, if you ever get a chance to see her in person, absolutely please go see her in person. She's fine. The backup singers are fantastic. Like, they had choreographed moves that they were dancing to. It was fantastic. So, so when I... I, I told Julie I was going <laughs> to... It was fantastic. So I told Julie I was going to uh, get a video clip of this and show it because the backup singers have a perspective on uh, the judgment of these false teachers, and this is their perspective. Oh, it's not going to work. No doubt. This judgment is coming. See you. They had choreographed moves the whole night. It was absolutely hilarious. So there's that. All right. Does anybody want to learn Daigle CD? Awesome. First hand up. Thank you. The, uh, so your homework for next week is to ask the Holy Spirit for help to read next week's text multiple ways. Uh, in multiple. Maybe have somebody read it to you. You ever thought about that? You, you can actually, there's a, we have machines that will do this for us. Yes. It's a good use of technology. Uh, talk to somebody about the text. Invite somebody. Uh, we have empty seats, so we have room. This is good. Uh, and then uh, if you will move into your time of prayer, take a look and see if you have any of these to update. And if we do, make those updates if you would. Uh, and after you have prayed as a table, you are dismissed. So thanks for coming to Sunday School today, guys. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and to our weekly email. You can do both at OurSundaySchool.com.